Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Don, for the songs. Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Well, is it? Or are you uh, leaning on your own self, trying to find fun and happiness in the world? Despite how dark things might be in your life, the joy of the Lord should still be your strength. You should never let anything steal your joy of the Lord. Never. Nobody. Pray a blessing on all those going on vacation. You have a safe trip, safe journey, and take Jesus with you. Every moment of the way. 1 John 5. These things, hashtag joy. Our next, this lesson and three more are all from 1 John. So you have opportunity. Make opportunity. Read the letter. Read it once or twice a week. In there, John gives... Four reasons why he writes this letter. And as I talked about Wednesday night, why he tweeted out. You know, they didn't have that available to them back in the first century. They had to get the word out some way, so they wrote letters. And uh, this is what John did to his readers. It's a general letter. It's not really addressed to any specific church or any specific individual. We presume it was meant to be distributed throughout the church universal in the day. And of course it comes down to us as well. And uh, there were concerns here in the day, as there always have been throughout the church being under attack and Satan trying to lead people away from God in any and every way that he can. Let's read 1 John 5.18. We know. You know, he's kind of wrapping it up here. Sometimes at the end we find out some of the reasons why the writer wrote and the summary of and the gist of the letter. We know that no one who is born of God sins. But he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Those are great words, aren't they? Words of reassurance. It appears that some of John readers were unsure about things. They were under... Uh, attack, deceivers abounded, there was persecution, and Christians were wavering. John is writing this letter so that Christians may know these things, to know them. Verse 19, we know that we are of God. Do you know that? that you personally are of God. 
and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know that? You understand that? Amen. Because sometimes I think we think the world's good because we're so much caught up in it, playing around with it, messing around in worldly stuff. It's under the power of the evil one. We know that. Do you know that? And we know. You think John wanting us to know some things? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. He's given the understanding to us. We know that. Do you have this understanding so that we may know him who is true? Do you know Jesus Christ? No, I don't mean do you know about Jesus Christ. I mean do you know him? Are you one with him? One heart, one purpose, one mind. Does he drive your life? Is he your love? That's when you know Jesus. We may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And even in those days, there were a lot of false gods still floating around. Some are trying to even say, as is hinted at in the text, that Jesus did not come in the flesh. He was just an apparition, and he was not real. John wants us to know these things. So he writes his letter to reassure. You know, we have knowledge. There's two things you need to do with knowledge. You know, Paul cautions about knowledge. It can just puff up. If we just absorb knowledge for the sake of getting knowledge, all that does is make you arrogant because you just think, well, I know more than this person or that person. But that's what knowledge is not supposed to do. The first thing in knowledge is supposed to affect you personally. How do I need to respond to this knowledge? Draw closer to God, get rid of a sin, something like that. Increase my faith, a deeper love for God. That knowledge is supposed to affect you, first of all. And then, secondly, you're supposed to share it with other people. The true knowledge of God. So John writes his letter to reassure so his readers may know, so that we may know. So he tweets out the message, if you will, to his readers. Some of these Christians were vacillating. They were wavering in their faith. Christians should not be among those who waver and vacillate. What he says here we know, right? I'm not saying you never are tested or never struggle. But we know certain things. And if you vacillate about your faith, if you vacillate about the Lord Jesus Christ, if you wonder if this is real, if this is true, if he really came, guess what? You will never want to share his message with anybody else. Because you're not sure of it yourself. 
you ever think about that? We need to be sure of our faith so that we may know these things. The first thing we want to focus on here is in 1 John 1 and 4. These things we write so that our joy or your joy, some translations say, may be complete or full. Your joy. Some Christians still are not filled with the joy of the Lord. We look around us, and I know the world's a troubled place. It's a terrible place now, and maybe you have some personal problems of your own. But that should not be any reason for your joy to be taken away from you. Because in Christ Jesus is your only hope. He is your joy. He is your salvation. If we look at this from the standpoint of your joy, then he's talking about the individual. If he's talking about our joy, then he's talking about the collective joy of the church. I think either one would fit. We don't have this joy necessarily separate from other Christians because we are all in the body of Christ together, aren't we? We share this joy because we share Christ Jesus. He is the fountain of our joy. I'm going to address here in the letter five reasons, I think it's five, why we should have this joy. Okay? He says, I'm writing this so your joy may be complete. So there's going to be some things in here so that we will have this joy. It may be full. And the first one is found in the first three verses. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John is giving personal testimony. This actually happened. We saw I saw, we touched, I touched, the word of life, the reference to Christ Jesus, the word of God become flesh. And the life was manifested or revealed, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Eternal life there could well be capitalized because it's a reference to Jesus. The eternal life was revealed. We saw him. We touched him. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. We're telling you about it. He told us about it in the Gospel of John. He's telling them about it again. It was real. He was here. We heard him. We touched him. All right? Don't ever doubt it. So that you too may have... Notice, fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. You know, sometimes we think about fellowship like we're talking about this evening, going down to our home and being together and having a little food and a little conversation and so forth. But fellowship 
means at the bottom line to share together, to participate together, whatever it is, whether it's a meal or whether it's suffering, whether it's giving or whether it's sacrificing or receiving, it's fellowship together. And John is saying, we, meaning him, I think, and perhaps the apostles, we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want you to be sure that you have it as well. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. This speaks beyond relationship. You know, we talk about having a relationship with the Lord. This speaks to unity, to oneness. We share everything with God. He is our God. Christ came here and became one of us. He shared our life with us. He wants us to share his life, you know, together. It's all one. Fellowship. And John wants us to know, you have this fellowship. That should be a thing that causes you to have joy. You are sharing life with God himself. God is your God. It's not like, you know, he's up there all by himself and you just, you know, hey God, you know, uh, why don't you help me out with this problem or that problem or you got time for me today? It's not like that. You're walking with God. You're in fellowship with him. We're sharing so many things with the Father and the Son. We wear his name. Christian, right? I hope you wear the name Christian out there. We have a common purpose. We've been talking about the, the fight against evil and sin and wickedness. That's what God is against, and we're against it. We should be. It's part of our fight. We're, it's a common purpose. We share that. We are, his, spiritually speaking, we are his body. Christ is the head, right? We are the hands and feet now. He's back in the, in the heavenlies at the right hand of the Father. And so we are the ones who is do, are doing the work right now, aren't we? We share that. We share the work that Christ did. We have this common love. We read in this first letter of John that God is love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and the commandment given to us is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's just, it's fellowship. He loves us. We love him. We share that common love. And there's that father and son relationship that we've talked about. He's our father, we're the son, we're the heirs. We're in the family of God now, and we have that we share, we're in the family of God. And so many other things we don't have time to talk about. But we're no longer enemies of God, but reconciled, and we're in fellowship. We're not enemies with God any longer because of the blood of Christ, and so that should give us joy as we walk daily through the troubles of life and do the will of God. Our second thought from 1 John 1, 6 through 9. We have the assured forgiveness of our sins. Assured forgiveness of our sins. If 
you're wondering if your sins are forgiven, pay careful attention to what we read. Of course, John is writing to those who are in Christ. All right? Those who have been baptized into Christ. Those who have been cleansed by the blood. All right? Those who, by faith, have turned to Christ in baptism. If we say that we have fellowship with him, which is what we've just been talking about, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So there is a part here that we have to carefully examine our lives. If we are walking in darkness or walking in sin, then that fellowship is in danger of being broken. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There it is, the sharing together, because we're all walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Whatever it was, however many times you've done it. We're in fellowship with Christ. His blood is still effective to cleanse us. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here is a call for us to examine ourselves. Because if we're, you know, just kind of strutting through life and saying, hey, I'm clear, I'm clean, and I'm good, then you've got a problem somewhere. Because we can't say we have no sin. Nobody can say that. So it's a call to self-examination, just like before we do the Lord's Supper. Let each one examine himself before he eats. If, verse 9, we confess our sins, and you, we can't confess our sins until we know what they are, can we? Right? Kind of hard to do. So you've got to look at yourself and you look at yourself in light of Scripture. Confess your sin. Watch. He is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. All sin. The blood of Christ takes care of it. Only the blood of Christ. But he'll take care of it all. And so that should bring us joy. All right? We can know that our sins are forgiven. We're walking in the light, and we're confessing our sin. They're forgiven. Sometimes we doubt, don't we? Sometimes we doubt. We read the words, but we still doubt. Why is that? That's the devil. That's why that is. And that is your not trusting completely in the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Think about it. That's his word. He said, you do that and you're clean. And that should bring you joy. You can know that. I think some Christians are not joyful because they really have some questions about sin in their life. 
whether they haven't confessed them, whether they're still dabbling in them, or whether they're not trusting in the blood of Christ to cleanse them, they're not accepting the word of God, whatever it is, if you're in that boat, you need to deal with it. And if you want to talk with me or Mike or Mike about that, we are available. But you should not be walking around worrying whether your sins are forgiven or not. This is what John is telling us. You should have this joy of knowing your sins are forgiven in Christ. Number three, 1 John 2.25. We have a, I love this verse. It, it's not a verse that I've uh, thought about a lot or even studied much, but when I was reading over this lesson, the, I read this verse and I thought, wow, that is a verse to hang your hat on. 1 John 2.25. This is the promise which he himself made to us. Eternal life. Isn't that a great verse? A great thought. That should bring you joy. That's a promise from God himself. From the throne room of God through his son, Jesus Christ, through the apostles, through the gospel today, through the holy scriptures, the promise of God, eternal life, for those who will serve me. That should bring you joy. The grave is not the end. Death is not the end. Destruction is not the end for those in Christ. It's a promise. He himself made and as we read in other scripture, it was not done reluctantly. It's about life and not death. Jesus died so we might have life. And we're going to wrap up. Number, number four in this lesson is going to, or this series is going to be about eternal life. And so we're not going to say a whole lot more about that one today. But we have that promise from God and that should give us joy. The next one is, from 1 John 4, 16. Understanding this, knowing this, that God loves us, should bring us joy. We have come, listen to the words of John, we have come to know, all right, we've come to know, and have believed the love which God has for us. Is that true of you? You've heard about it. It's all through scripture. You, if you've been here a lot, you've heard, heard it proclaimed here. So you know those are the words of God. Do you believe it? Some people still hesitate. They think God still holds back. Okay? He's just up there looking for something wrong. Some reason to criticize you. Alright? That his love is uh, tentative. Alright? Or as some would say, conditional. It's not. And when we say that, we don't mean God is just approving of every and anything you do, but 
Paul writes in Romans that even while we were enemies, God loved us. While we were in sin, God loved us. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was before the world could be saved. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. If you really know that and believe it, you should have joy in your heart. Because God wants the best for me now, doesn't he? God actually loves me. He cares about me. He wants the best for me. He wants to do good by me. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. There's more of that fellowship idea, that back and forth. You abide in God, he abides in you. Abide in love, God's love abides in you. That's, fellow, that's the fellowship he's talking about there at the beginning. You know, the whole letter weaves together. It really does. It's a marvelous letter of reassurance in Christ Jesus of things we can know. I'll tell you what, in today's world, we really need to know some things. We need to know some things. One of the reasons that John writes, I'll tip you off to this one, is because there are so many deceivers in the world. And we're going to look at that in, I think it's the third lesson. Because there are so many deceivers. So we need to know what we know. We need to know the truth. And that's true today, isn't it? There's so many deceivers and deceptions and false messages out there today just drawing you away hither and yon to whatever. God loves us. That should cause joy to swell up in our hearts. Despite, despite our sins and despite our failures, we've already seen how to deal with them, right? God still loves us. When we sin, what's he say? Just confess. Bring it to me, and my son's blood will still cleanse you. I love you. I want you free. I want you cleansed. I want you to have joy. Our last thought from 1 John 5. The assurance. Notice how many, to know, to be assured, to understand. These things, we need to grasp them and not waver. And not let the world, you know, knock us around with these thoughts. The assurance that God hears and answers our prayers should stir up joy in our hearts. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. Confident. You have confidence before God when you pray. Or you like... Uh, God, uh, if you're really up there, and if you remember me, uh, how about helping out with this? Is that your prayer? Is that your approach to God? Shouldn't be. Confidence, if you're in Christ. This is the confidence we have before him that... If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, some of us, we don't like that verse. Because it says according to his will. Because we have a will, 
We understand that, and so does God. Jesus uh, experienced that in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? He says, not, not your will, but mine. You know, if, if it is your, your will, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he had a will, and God has a will. We have a will. You know, this is part of choice. He's made us people who have freedom of choice. We have a will. And sometimes we don't like the fact we want to submit to the will of God. Let me tell you this. The will of God is always better for you than the will that you wanted. Even though it might hurt, even though it, for the moment it might cause you some grief, the will of God is always better for you than something that you might have wanted and he didn't give it to you. You have to believe that. Why? Because God loves you. You see how it fits together? Because God loves you. And he says, Jeff, you shouldn't have that. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt Shirley. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. You shouldn't have it. No matter how good it looks to you, no matter what you think about it, you shouldn't have it. I'm not giving it to you. So we should say, praise God, thank you, Lord, for looking out for me and giving me what I need. Maybe I do need some discipline right now. Maybe I need encouragement. Maybe I need whatever. But it's the will of God that we really need to appreciate because he loves us. The confidence we have, confidence, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. All right, he hears us. When you pray to God, do you know for sure that he hears you? Do you pray to God? Maybe I need to back up. Is prayer a part of your life on a daily basis? I don't mean just, you know, a little prayer around the table before you eat your supper. Are you consulting with God? Are you confessing sin? Are you, are, you, are you grieving before God? Are you praying for others? Is your heart open? We have this confidence. He hears us. If we know, notice 15, if we know that he hears us, which we should know if we're asking according to his will, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Do you see that? We know that we have the request. We know. If you ask according to his will, we know he hears us, and we know we have our request. Do you know that? Should that not bring you joy? That God hears and is is answering your prayer. I don't know if he's going to give it to you tomorrow or in six months or how he's going to do it. We never know. But we know that we have what we ask. A little bit of faith there, isn't there? It should bring us joy. Whether you're talking about little things or big things, things for the body, the soul, for the kids, for the church, for the nation, 
Notice the word. If we ask anything according to his will. The word of God is so worth reading carefully and meditating upon, isn't it? You know, we can zip through scripture and say, oh yeah, I read 1 John, it took me uh, eight minutes. Wow, good for you. What'd you learn? Uh, did it really do you any good? This word is made to be read and studied and digested, put into our hearts and lived. What marvelous thoughts there are. Knowing that God hears and answers our prayers should fill our hearts with joy. These things we write so that your joy may be complete or full. Hashtag joy. Tweeting it out. You should be joyful people. There may be other things in this letter. We don't have time to address them. But you, you have fellowship with God. You have forgiveness of your sins in Christ Jesus. The promise of eternal life. You know that God loves you and he will answer your prayers according to his will. Anything you ask. Now that should not buoy you up and cause you to kind of walk out here on tippy toes or maybe, a, you know, maybe just a quarter inch off the carpet. The joy of the Lord be your strength. We just asked today, is your joy complete? Is it full? You're a Christian. Maybe uh, some of the things we said today, some of the things John wrote, touched your heart and made you think and question and say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not there yet. You have some work to do. And I pray you don't put it off. Don't put it off. Open up the scripture this afternoon and read it again and pray and say, Lord, show me what to do. This is your walk with Jesus Christ. This is reality of life. This is where life is going with Christ Jesus. If you want prayer this morning, we'd be happy to pray with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, we can assist you in that. Brother Don's going to lead us. Please stand while we sing. <laughs>